So this is my first sit down with uh, my good buddy, Chris Moberg. I think this will be the first of many. And this one, uh, just to put this out there, this one's definitely more about motion design and career paths and uh, working freelance as well as working in agency just a tiny bit. Um, and what our sort of background is together. So you get a good feel of how long we've known each other, uh, what our relationship has been like. And I've got nothing but respect for this guy. So let's just dive right in with Christopher Ray Moberg. I'm Jamie Montine, and this is my midlife crisis. All right, welcome to the podcast. This is the first time I'm getting to sit in front of Chris Ray Moberg. Do you want to go by Chris Ray or do you want to go Christopher Ray? I uh, will go Chris Ray. Okay. Keep it casual. I guess the first question too is, where does Ray come into this? Because I've I've known Chris for about eight years now, and uh, every time he does a project that is very much his own, it always turns into something where he always has a signature of Chris Ray Moberg, C R Moberg. Where does that come from? Well, uh, it originally started with an email address. Uh, trying to find a Gmail address yeah. that uh, nobody else had, and C. Moberg was taken. So I thought I'd throw the middle initial in, and uh, that kind of turned into a website URL. And then more recently, it's like my logo is now CR, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Ray's like an important name in terms of like our family history and stuff, goes back like six generations or something. So, uh, you know, it was something that I kind of wanted to call out yeah yeah on a day-to-day i call chris chris yeah go but by chris. Uh, every time i see something <laughs> killer on vimeo and i know that he's been a part of it i always see the cr moberg or the chris ray moberg so i'm thinking that i'll have more of an in-depth intro to kind of explain to everybody uh how i know chris and how long we've known each other but i sort of start off with saying how it was 2010 chris and i had a mutual acquaintance and uh, this acquaintance was just speaking so highly of Chris. Chris had just graduated maybe a year you'd been out. Even half year. Maybe half a year and um, I had just moved back from Montreal and uh, I was starting to teach at Algonquin and one of the teachers who is one of the legends at the school, James Akers, we can totally give him a shout out. He found a lot of promise in Chris and then put us together. And from that, we've worked, you know, on and off together for years. So, like, known each other for eight years. Worked with each other for probably five years previous to actually working together day in, day out. And for the past almost three years, every day we sit beside each other doing motion design for an ad agency. So, my question to Chris to start it all off is... Um, how did how did you get into it? So how did you get into the design side? Like what what was the sort of path to it? And how long did it take before you started really kicking in motion design? I would honestly have to say it all started with poor guidance in high school. Um, I was kind of getting a kick out of uh, ComTech in grade 10 and 11. And it was in its early stages in terms of a class in our school. And and I enjoyed it a lot, but our guidance counselors couldn't even point me into the direction of something that would suit what I was getting into. It was like AutoCAD or architecture or things like that, which was totally not what I wanted to do, so I didn't even pursue it. And then ended up taking business admin for all of two months at Algonquin College and realized very quickly that that was not the route I wanted to take. So I started skipping classes and just like waiting to tell my parents, break them the news that I've like failed, you know, in my initial start to college. And it was during those like two weeks of just hanging around the halls, procrastinating, not knowing what to do with my life. I found like there, there was like this job fair at Algonquin and I found graphic design and I was like, this looks kind of cool, looks like fun, looks similar to what I was doing in ComTech. And they said you needed a portfolio. I didn't even know what a portfolio was then. 
And so I took like a, a one-year course, just kind of dabbling in Photoshop, Illustrator, all that kind of stuff, which got me into graphic design. And that's where I still didn't even really know what I wanted to do at that point, but I just was having fun doing graphic design. And back then, Flash, Adobe Flash was like the big thing yeah. in, in school. And that's what James Akers was like. Yeah. you know, a legend in, um, in terms of what he could do with flash. And I saw the potential and there was, you know, a bit of motion in terms of like, you could tween between, between keyframes and stuff like that, which I thought was cool. So making stuff move was suddenly this thing that I was like, this is a lot of fun. And it wasn't until like our last semester or last two semesters that we got a taste of after effects. And it was, it was from that point on, I was like, I'm in, I'm in love with motion. Yeah. And it was James who really kind of pushed me in that direction. I, I had opportunities to go to a fairly reputable place in town, in Ottawa. Uh, but it was more designed for, I guess, gaming and social. Uh, and then I also, very last minute, landed a, an internship in Toronto at a, a really cool motion, uh, I wouldn't call them an agency, it was more of a collective of different guys doing different motion projects, all operating under their own name. And it was like six weeks of realizing after three years of school that I'm only just at the starting of this. I came out with a, a head that was huge, thinking I was going to come into the industry and like change the game or whatever. And it was within a week or two of being in my, my internship that it was like, kind of realized that I'm starting from scratch again yeah. but there was so much payoff in terms of the motion jobs I was doing on like you know satisfaction when you see a job completed uh that I just I had to keep going at it and yeah that was it well it's really funny because um throughout school when you see students who have a lot of potential and they might be getting the highest grades, they might be getting some of the coolest projects, they might be getting all these things, they're kind of thinking to themselves that they might be destined for greatness. And uh, just from my opinion, is like, from being a teacher and seeing these students, I did it very selfishly, so I was always had my eye on the next best people coming up because I wanted to work with them, you know? Yeah. Being a teacher and freelancing at the same time, you're always looking to pick the top talent, but not uh, the talent with the wrong attitude. They could be really great, but if their attitude kind of stinks, it's not going to work between you, you know? For sure. And um, the people who are really, really interested, because some people, every year you're going to get people who are like, I'm going to go to Tokyo, or I'm going to go you know, to Amsterdam, or I'm going to go to Toronto, or New York, or LA, or whatever, you know? And those, that idea is really, really great. But I only know of a handful of people who actually do it. And when they do it, there's two sides to that. You've got the people who just go to be like, oh, I lived in Paris for my internship for six weeks. Then you've got the people who are like, I went to the city I said I would and I grinded, you know, and I worked hard and I realized that whatever skills I learned in school, they don't translate yet. And that's what I've always tried to teach people too, is just that you might be good here, you might be good at this level in school. You might be the best at this level in school. That means nothing. Yeah. That just opens up the door because the people that you're surrounded by might have the attitude and know a lot of people in the industry and be like, open the door for this guy or this girl, you know? Mm -hmm. If they really do show that they have the true potential and they've got the right attitude, they're going to do great, you yeah. know? And if they're put in positions where they're sort of ground into dust, you know, uh, brought right down to the bottom to say if you want to learn this you have to do all the grunt work you will be doing grunt work on great projects you know yeah. so you get that for your portfolio and then it builds your portfolio over time but it's more about the experience of like oh I love this now maybe I loved flash then or maybe I yeah. loved after effects but then maybe it's a spark into 3d which in my opinion is something that just instantly hit with you because you surpassed Everybody that I know, you know, uh, as far as it goes, like I know a few people who have really, really delved into the 3D side of things and they're extremely talented and they're doing very well right now. But you were always a standout to me when it came to like my hunger for 3D is going to be, you know, it's surpassing everybody else. 
he just kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. And then from that, ended up being, you know, a legitimate motion designer. In, I wouldn't even say it's a short period of time, eight years. Is that what you'd say? Is you think eight years? Is it, has I it graduated been? in 09. Okay. So and it, it probably wouldn't have been until like 2011 or 12 where I really started like getting my feet as a motion designer. But yeah. prior to that, it was like I was still working at some you know, design shops I don't really want to yeah, yeah. <laughs> mention, not very proud of or anything. What was the place that you were looking at in Toronto that was more of the collective? Uh, it was Electric Company, um, was the collective at the time, and they, they've since disbanded. They had a rebrand, you know, like a couple years after uh, I was there, and they changed their name to Resistor. And, and funny enough, like, there was uh, Ghost Milk, uh, Play Airways, Battery... There was a whole bunch of these like small teams of like elite, you know, motion yeah. designers. And I didn't even realize they were under the same roof. Like when I sent my mailer out for an internship position, I sent it to Electric Company. I sent it to Battery. I sent it to Play Airways. Mm-hmm. So all these guys were sitting there probably on the same day and they all get envelopes asking me to, me looking for an internship. And uh, it was just kind of funny how I didn't even realize they were under the same roof. Yeah. <laughs> But you got your opportunity. Yeah, for sure. And then through that, you met a whole bunch of people too. Yeah, and it wasn't... If I hadn't made those connections and done the job that I did there, I would have came to came back to Ottawa and I probably would have stayed in Ottawa. But it was because of those connections that, you know, after the six weeks, came back to Ottawa, worked at a few design places for maybe a year, year and a half. But through those connections, I started getting freelance work, which eventually snowballed into enough work to say I'm going to give Toronto a shot and and make the take the leap and luckily I've got a girlfriend at the time wife now who is willing to do it with me. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Not a lot of people do that. No. You know, not no. a lot of people I feel like not a lot of people actually get the opportunities first, but uh, even if the opportunities come they don't go after it. Yeah. So I've known a lot of people in the past who have had opportunities or um, you know, are going after these opportunities, but they never really have the guts to go through with it. You'll yeah. have half and half, maybe less than half and half. Um, most people won't go for it and they'll say, oh, my parents, you know, like it when I'm close or uh, I've got a lot of family here. Or, what am I going to do? I'm going to meet all these new friends or whatever. Yeah. And I never found that with you. I found you were like, this guy's going for it. He's going to go for it no matter what. And it wasn't so much about like the fear of like, who, who am I going to see as my friends? It was more like, what am I going to learn? What's yeah. the next project? Yeah. You know, because I saw your portfolio just keep growing and growing and growing over yeah. time. And I mean, that's kind of, that's how I see what your start was. It yeah. was like actually grinding, going off to a different city that had a lot more opportunities, um, getting on a lot of those opportunities, tasting what it was like for freelance for a while, you know, doing that for quite some time. What was the first mainstay in Toronto that you had for um, a good amount of time where you started learning a lot more stuff. It was, and it wasn't even necessarily a motion job. It was more 90% editing, 10% motion, okay. but it was with NHLPA. Okay. And that was through a contact that I had met at Electric Company. Um, but even then, like I went to Toronto on a, on a whim, yeah. you know, hoping that would work out and it would turn into a full-time position. But I, I freelance with them for about six months, and come springtime, NHL stops, yeah. and so did my work. They just didn't have enough work to keep me on, so then I was back kind of looking for work, and, and that's when I started freelancing and kind of going after the motion jobs that I was looking for. Was that, uh, did that really scare you when when the tap sort of gets turned off? And then how long was it between like the tap being turned off where no more projects are coming in for a while and like you getting on to the next sort of level getting back into freelance it's probably two years what two years of like i mean like no projects i mean no nhlpa projects and like two years of me sitting in my living room you know working working away trying to make contacts trying to Mm -hmm. get jobs and looking back i should have been a little more um What's the word? I should have I should have been hunting for for work, but 
it ended up being a lot of word of mouth, like, you know, nail one job, do a good job, be reliable. And then whether you get another job with that same person or company, they would put me in touch with somebody else who was looking for work. And it just kind of, it kept me, kept me paid for a couple of years until I, uh, started permalancing, yeah. uh, which was sort of no, no contract, but started a job with a, a really small motion studio and didn't leave there for about two and a half years. Showed up every day, yeah. you know, no contract in place, but they paid me and it, yeah. it was good work. What kind of work did you get to do with them? With them, it was a lot more, much music stuff. So doing uh, commercials for much music, like Halloween things and, you know, kind of whatever was going on much music wise, Christmas stuff. Uh, but they also had uh, like much music associated with Bell Media. So Bell Me, we were getting Bell Media jobs. And then there was a lot of much music, uh, or not even much music, but music videos for different artists that we were doing as well. Yeah. Which really kind of, that's where I got a lot of my experience because yeah. it was it was a lot of learning. There it was a small shop, so you take on bigger roles. And the guys that were there were very talented, very knowledgeable. Learned a lot from them, and uh, and yeah, it was it was a good time. <laughs> what kind of hours were you putting in with those guys? Uh, generally, we'd start around ten, um, and probably go till six or seven at night. That was like an easy day. But then we would get projects like these these music video jobs where it's like, okay, you guys have three days to, to bang out these visual effects shots. And those would be 16 to 20 hour days. You know, I wouldn't be able to sustain that for months on end. But these like kind of short stints where it's a job you get very excited about is is so much easier to put in that time and, uh, and those hours. Because uh, you, you could kind of see a light at the end of the tunnel there is an end to this thing and there's going to be a huge payoff, you know, whether it's like a good artist or, you know, you're, you're trying a new technique that you haven't played with and you're, you're doing stuff that's, that's kind of cool, at least in my eyes, you know. What were some of the artists that you, if you can talk about it? Yeah. Uh, we had some, some to be proud of, some not so proud of, uh, like we had Headley, uh, Bridget Mendler was like a kind of a pop, girl that was uh, just starting uh, we had Zed's Dead which you know we ended up getting nominated for a Juno Award like for the music video um, the the biggest one and to this day I'll never get I will never get the same amount of views on this job as I did um, but it was for Drake's started from the bottom which I think is over half a million on YouTube or something like that so that was kind of like the peak of in terms of like uh, you know getting my work seen by by an audience but that, that was pretty cool and that that itself was only a two-day job like two uh, two or three days of you know 16 to 20 hours trying to figure out these vfx shots and yeah and it was it was fun so it started with after effects yeah. started dabbling a little bit with 3d what's the what's the 3d package you like cinema 4d yeah all the way and um and then the visual effects was happening in between that as well yeah. so you're getting a taste of the 3D side with cinema, and you're getting the After Effects, and then you've got the comp side, yeah. taking the 3D, bringing in After Effects. you use anything else with that sort of stuff? At the time, no. It was just uh, maybe some motion tracking softwares. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Honestly, forget the names of the... Is it Bougie? Bougie was one, but we weren't using that. I think Mocha. it was like... Uh, no, it wasn't Mocha. It was uh, something with a P. I forget what it PF is. PFTrack. PFTrack, that yeah. was it, yeah. PF track, so yeah. you know tracking shots that had you know been shot, and then getting all your point data, bringing that into C4D, and kind of getting your 3D objects in place, getting the render looking right, and then bringing that into After Effects for final polish and compositing, and trying to make it look as real as possible. I look back at all the work and I'm like, that doesn't look real at all, but (laughs) you're kind of comparing it to Hollywood VFX and you're, you're like, you know, I did the best job I could and the client was happy. So it's funny because that's the kind of stuff that we actually do kind of not day to day, but we get those opportunities where we're working as well. It's very hard to get that kind of level of polish like that. um, Let's just put it this way where. Somebody has said to us before, it's like, well, I was looking at uh, Game of Thrones yeah. and uh, I saw the White Walkers. It's like they have 
millions of dollars of budget oh, and they yeah. have teams yeah. and here you've got a handful of people and out of that handful you've got one or two people who can actually work on this stuff yeah and the deadline is tomorrow yeah you know and it still looks pretty crazy for the, what it is. the biggest compliment after the drake job because like he, the the section of the video i worked on was drake in a plane and the the, the plane was actually shot in a hangar you know not moving and so it was like, you know, rotoing out the plane, making it look like it's in the sky, and then getting these plates that were shot with helicopters, you know, to put as your background, and yeah. then trying to make it look like it was in the sky. But the biggest compliment was, after we had finished the job a few days later, like, a few other directors came by to see it. I wasn't in the room, I heard this after, but one of them was like, oh man, you guys shot, like, plane to plane? Like, you had two planes up there, and like, you <laughs> shot it? And I was like, oh yes. <laughs> Yeah, sold. <laughs> it still looks good. That's it's, a good, yeah, that's a good video. Yeah. It's a big feather in the cap, too. Yeah. There's been a lot of things that uh, you've had the opportunity to kind of do. I mean, it's you saying yes to these projects in a lot of cases, yeah. where I think a lot of other people who are more sane than you are like, no way. There's no yeah. way. Yeah. Um, but those projects, you put everything that you've got into it. And I've, I've been beside you throughout these times where it's like I see how much you put in I know how much you put in when you go home mm. something uh, something about you is that you're very very loyal to what your day job is and that always takes precedence yeah, so it's like sure. that's just one of those things that people can only wish for yeah. in the industry because most people when they're getting these sort of one-off projects that are bangers you know really really they're going to be seen by a lot of people they're going to be up for award submissions they're going to be of the caliber in my opinion of like the highest caliber you can get into and you're playing with the best motion designers in the world mm -hmm. you know or playing against them with their, whatever projects they're doing the thing that i've always really respected is the fact that we might be doing something that's name keys for like days yep. on end or something along those lines not to downplay the stuff that we do no nope. together and no. i keep saying we because this is the day-to-day -day of chris and i sitting side by side to having yeah. to do these things and then he'll go home and work until two three in the morning on this sort of side project that uh you know means a lot to him as well as for his own personal client and that's the one that's going to be seen on that world stage you know and uh I, I just have so much respect for the fact that you do that. And I <laughs> wish that you would take just a little bit more time for yourself where you're not just burning at both yeah, ends. Yeah. But uh, that's just the way you are. If you're not even on something, I've always seen that you're actually getting ramped up into the next thing. Like you're even if you're reading books on um, Substance Painter or whatever yeah. it is, you know, yeah. it's just to kind of like keep going, keep pushing, keep pushing. Yeah, if, I, if I'm idle for too long, I there's like something inside me that just starts to get nervous or worried that you know i'm maybe falling behind or something like that so there's always just this like little drive to whether it is a project or just watching tutorials or or reading up on some some new new software or something there's there's always that kind of want to just just keep going i don't know what would be some of the biggest things that you felt like you've achieved in this career Probably the biggest thing is just making this career work. <laughs> you know? I'm going to ask you again. Okay? <laughs> I'm going to ask you again. And don't be modest. Yeah. Because this is going to eventually be heard by a lot of people. Yeah. So out of different projects yeah. um, and opportunities, what, what would you say have been the biggest milestones of your career? Biggest milestones, I mean, if, if you want to go right from the start, it's like, it would be like my first C4D job, which was like when I was still even afraid to open Cinema 4D, you know, but then spending a month trying to just like, just forcing myself into the program and, and to learn it, which was that Sapporo job that I did. That's right. The Pyramid Attack guys, uh, that was a lot of fun, um, great guys to work with, but that was that was like a big milestone because suddenly it was I felt like I had a handle on C4D. I didn't I wasn't opening the application like nervous to press buttons anymore. It felt like I kind of conquered it, yeah. even though I'd only just scratched the surface of what you can do in it. It but looked great. It though. looked great. It turned it out awesome. That that was a big milestone. 
there's probably a few that I'm going to forget, but another big one was uh, when I was still in Toronto uh, working on the Alice Cooper documentary, Super, Co- Super Duper Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was fun. And uh, again, like really, really great team of guys to work with, but taking like archival photos of Alice Cooper and like cutting them up in Photoshop and then projection mapping them and doing camera moves mm-hmm. on images that otherwise would be static. And I think almost every image in that documentary is camera mapped or camera projected or animated in some way. There's not many documentaries like that. Mm-hmm. There's actually no footage of a talking head in that documentary at all, okay. which which was uh which was cool so that that was neat and like even when they made the movie poster for it you know under on the credits on the bottom of the poster like my name was under elton john which was oh that's cool my dad got a kick out of that too sure. <laughs> um so that was that was another big milestone and then i think uh more recently was the uh into the current book trailer yeah. with uh with jared young that was had no idea how much that would, you know, kind of impact the career, but it, it was it was huge. He had a he had a good vision for it, and I kind of brought it to life, um, and and had a awesome time doing it. And with with side projects like that, where sort of money, you're not getting compensated, but you're kind of hoping that there's going to be a payoff at the end, and there's going to be some eyeballs on it. And that was such a uh, a weird project in terms of like we wrapped it up we, we showed it at uh, his book launch at the Mayfair Theater in Ottawa and that was like the first time sitting there with like you know maybe I don't even know how many people attended that maybe 100 or 200 maybe yeah um, I was there so yeah I mean... but that many people sitting in an audience watching your your clip like for the most part we do stuff that lives online or maybe goes on television so you're never sitting with the audience and for the most part, if it's commercials, people are skipping through them anyways. And it's on a big screen. Yeah. It's on the actual yeah, movie screen. Yeah, it was on a, on a movie screen, which was, which was really cool. And just sitting there watching it and having all these eyeballs on it at the same time, it's just my, my stomach is in knots. Yeah. So nervous, you know. Yeah. Um, looking back, which was kind of funny. And then maybe... Three months, three months later, or a couple months later, we were we were trying to submit the piece to to different festivals and and things like that, and we had already found a few and paid the fees to get it in or whatever. And I was literally sitting at my desk next to you, being like, "What else can I submit this to?" And that's when I was like, "Oh, South by Southwest has a category for title sequence," and this was a book trailer, and I was like, "Well, it's a long shot, but the fees twenty bucks." Yeah. You know, so yeah. 20 bucks, sure, I'll throw it in, see what happens. Yeah. And then it wasn't until, like, that was probably around, you know, October and then January 30th, I got an email from somebody at South by Southwest saying, hey, you've uh, you've actually made it into, you know, South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. So we went down, got, like, free tickets, and those things are, like, 1500 bucks a piece, mm-hmm. and uh, discounted rooms that were actually downtown, so we didn't have to travel, like, an hour out of Austin to, to get into Austin or whatever. And that, uh, that was again, like they screened all the, uh, title sequences at, at the, the show. And that audience was probably smaller than what Jared's was. Cause mm-hmm. it's really just the guys, you know, who oh, are submitting yeah. these title sequences okay. that go to see it. And, and we kind of thought we were going to do a Q and a, the way that the email was, you know, it, in the submission it was like do you want to be part of the Q&A panel and it's like yeah sure and so you go down there expecting like I'm going to be on a panel people are going to be asking me questions and again watching the trailer online for, or on the screen in front of everybody my stomach's in knots and then I'm anticipating this Q&A after and sure enough like nobody comes on stage after all the title sequences were screened and we're just sitting there like oh I guess I guess this isn't as big a deal as we thought it was and uh, and then a couple days later, we we have the the movie award show pre party. Jared and I are having a few beers, and he he kind of warned me before the, the while we were there. He's like, well, you know, usually with these things, they kind of notify the award winners mm-hmm. so that they show up to the award ceremony and uh, accept the award, right? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you got a you got a good point. 
So let's let's enjoy this and continue to have a few more beers and have fun, talk to people. And then it was it was funny. They started. We went to the award show. They started presenting all the different awards. So what they would do is like they'd have the category title screen would come on for the category. They'd um, then announce who won. The people that won would go up and accept it. And this is this audience is huge it's like half hollywood half directors half oh, that's right. yeah. it's it's massive like these are big names that are in the audience yeah. and when it got to the title sequence category they were they they kind of had this preamble saying like you know this is a you know we've had a lot of different submissions this year everything from you know title sequence for this title sequence for that to book trailers and jared and i kind of looked at it like huh it's funny that they would like mention that. Yeah. And then the guy presenting said, "We're going to do something different this year. We're going to we're actually going to play you guys the the award winner." Mm-hmm. And we sat there just kind of waiting, and then all of a sudden we heard the audio for our trailer. And it was like <laughs> at that point kind of being like, "Holy shit, we just we just won." And I I think I turned to him and like choked him or something like that <laughs> Steph started my wife started screaming yeah and I went up and at that point I already had too many beers to <laughs> say anything good and Jared had a, a, a good little speech that he said and then I got the mic and I think all I said was like South by Southwest is my favorite conference <laughs> and that was it and got off stage and you know called my parents and all that kind of stuff and that yeah. that was a huge huge moment but kind of like a, a Cinderella story I guess like just sure. totally not expecting that to happen and we're up against like we're up against Stranger Things yes. title sequence we're up against Westworld which was put together by like one of my motion designer idols you yeah. know Raul Marx who's just an absolute beast yeah so uh, you know you go in thinking like this is such a long shot it's crazy that we even made it in and then ended up winning so that was a massive massive milestone so you won you won both, though, right? Yeah. You the, won People's Choice. And people's Choice and Audience Choice. It's really funny because uh, for people who wouldn't know what our city is like, ours is like, Ottawa is, you know, the smaller of the main cities in Canada. Oddly enough, the kind of the smallest. It is <laughs> pretty much the smallest, right? Yeah. Uh, for industry and all that kind yeah. of stuff. It's more of a government town. But... Um, it's funny, you have small pockets of people who are extremely, extremely talented. Mm-hmm. Um, most of those people eventually go somewhere or they've been somewhere and they come back. And I think that's kind of a, I think that's a really good way to look at it is yeah. that this is either a city where you, you know, if you do start here and you stay here, it's going to be one of those places that you can make a living, a great living, depending on which sort of sector you go into but as far as like the arts and Mm -hmm. video and motion design especially there's not a whole lot of places to work but when these but when these guys go out to south by southwest because they've been invited because they put a trailer out Mm -hmm. and they win the whole thing and you come back to ottawa and you start getting press on it because yeah. like i remember you're in the paper and you're in yeah. you know all that kind of stuff there was like uh was there like some television as well with that where it was like yeah i think we were on roger's daytime TV, which is a sweet one right in, in between like <laughs> some lady talking fall fashion and <laughs> interior design yeah. and then and then us talking about a book trailer but yeah there was some some newspapers that picked it up because i think it was like kind of a neat neat story oh for sure you know? oh it's it was huge, and the fact that that happened, and not to mention you were on it too. I was. Yeah, I helped you. You were, you were animating the main titles on it. <laughs> That's uh, uh, yeah. But this is your story, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. But I was proud to be. I love it when you and I do things together, and I think I've explained it to you in one of the earlier podcasts without saying names. To say I work with my buddy. Yeah. We've known each other for a long time. Had this opportunity to actually work side by side. We're both in situations where our life our lives have changed since you know just starting out being hungry yeah then when you buy a house then i buy you know we do these things i have a family you've started you know you're married now all these things change and then you start thinking about you know i've already done this i've already you know worked for so and so i've already uh worked on a bunch of big brands i've already done this like what 
what can be next with those things? And I yeah. think that, uh, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that that's the thing that is always the driving force. Like you don't really work for anybody else. You get opportunities with different uh, clients, but it's you pick and choose them because you're like, this is a good opportunity I want to do. Yeah. It's funny how you bring up the thing where you're like, with the book trailer, there was um, like very little, if any, uh, compensation on that. That was a hundred percent a passion yeah. project. Yeah, and I know for a fact if that came on my lap, um, or that came to me personally, I would have never touched it unless you were involved. Yeah, as in like you're taking it and leading it. The yeah. only reason I ever remotely helped on anything. Is just because you're on it. Yeah. Because if yeah. it was anybody else, I'm out. Yeah. I don't care. You know, yeah. it makes no sense. There's no money in this. Yeah. Uh, the idea is cool, but nobody I know outside of you, um, maybe one other person, if they were, if their heart was totally into this, that uh, I could see technically being able to push something like that. Yeah. Um, shout out to Joey. You're the only person where I could see you light up and be like, oh, this is a great opportunity not only the opportunity this is a cool story this is a guy i know who's an author this is like all those things there's pain points throughout all that kind of stuff which we you know won't get into but it's the it's more just you're driven to do phenomenal work and you keep pushing so that you're on that on that level of what are the best guys in the world doing like i think i can get close i think i can sort of push to that level two or let me test myself the thing that's really funny that you've been saying about how your projects have progressed and there's way more projects than this like yeah, yeah it's yeah. just that everything that i'm getting from you is the from the start you're like the first thing that you worked on where you use cinema 4d and you're like because it was just kind of alien to you but you were able to put out a proper job with that like Sapporo job yeah. it, it was a very good looking job to a, a much higher standard than what would be expected from somebody who doesn't have a ton of experience at that time on it yeah you absolutely killed it and then the next one is like you're talking about another technique which is all photo or like projection camera projection on this other thing yeah. it's like constantly ramping up on the technical side and yeah. then with this one with into the current that was a totally different like higher level with yeah. all that kind of stuff there are so many things that were happening in there too with the just like the technical ability rising now do you think you can talk about this project that you just wrapped up? Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's for a series called Lullaby Theories. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and the, this this husband and wife couple who I've gotten along with great, who are really, really awesome, uh, they've been kind of, you know, doing this, this web series uh, where the wife talks about these complex scientific theories and tries to explain them to the twin daughters. And just that concept alone, I, I, I love. And the previous episodes they've done have been amazing. So, mm-hmm. and I, I met them at South by Southwest. So they've been over since then, they've been like trying to, you know, hit me up for the odd job here and there uh, with timing and just scheduling and stuff. Not, nothing's really worked out. But then they said, you know, what about, working on episode four of, of lullaby theories. And they kind of showed me where it was at. Cause they had a couple guys start on it that, that couldn't complete it. So I, I was kind of taken over and, uh, more or less driving the rest of the project. And, uh, I, I was blown away by, by the opportunity. Like I, I hadn't, I had seen that they were posting stuff about lullaby theories, but I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, look into it as much. And then when I found out what it was, it was like, huh, like totally on board. Mm-hmm. And, and it was totally my style and I was kind of all for it, which, uh, yeah, it's, it's gone really well. Um, it's wrapped, but it's still going to be a bit before it sees, um, the light of day. And that's just kind of the situation because sometimes when really beautiful, wonderful jobs, even though you put you want to say six months into something like that? Or? It was six months, but it was, you know, not not consistent six months. And they knew I could only work evenings and weekends. Uh, they were they were totally fine with that. The initial, the first two months, I was, you know, kind of in the honeymoon phase of this project and was like in love with it and was working, you know, every, every night during the week, every weekend. Um, 
gotta shout out my wife again, Steph, for like, you know, walking the dog, taking care of dishes, you know, cooking me meals. Cause I wouldn't have been able to do all this without that. Mm. Um, it's definitely not the amount of hours I was putting in versus how much I was taking care of my life definitely wasn't sustainable. Um, and those initial two months got me to about the halfway mark of this, you know, it's like just under three minutes, this edit. And it got me to the halfway point and I hit a wall where it was like, <laughs> I've gone this, this hard for this long mm-hmm. and I'm only halfway. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, I took a break for maybe two or three weeks and then started to get back into it. But I, I just couldn't work at the same pace that I had started with. So it was like evening here, evening there, weekends. Um, I'd get on to, you know, maybe a certain scene or something where I'd start pushing again really hard because I'm, I'm getting excited about figuring something out or what it's turning out to look like. And I'll push hard on that. But then again, like stop, look at the edit, realize there's still so much more to do. So it was, it was a tough one for sure. And I think, I think the fact that it was six months made it that much harder. Mm-hmm. If it was a two months, two month job, I would have been in and out in two months and had an awesome piece, but it was, it was just such a beast of a, of a project and, and a pretty good duration for uh, all all 3D, you know, and handling all the rendering and all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a tough one, but it, it I think is going to be another milestone in my career for sure. I have a feeling that this one's going to uh, get a lot of accolades for it. Like I think yeah. into the current is amazing. Yeah. I obviously do. I, yeah. I always have. Uh, I think this surpasses that by a lot. Yeah. And the only thing I can say about this one is, uh, I didn't help you at all on this. <laughs> <laughs> not even, not even in the Men- least. Mental support, <laughs> for sure. Oh no, man. Keeping me on this the rails. This is like, and this was one too where I've always had this. You know that I've always said this to you too. Yeah. Is the more people you kind of let in on a project, or some people will work to help you and they will put in their time and they will do whatever they can. Mm-hmm. But other people might help in a very, in a fraction of that. Mm-hmm. And they still get credited mm-hmm. for these things because yeah. it's very hard to not credit somebody if they've done something, something. for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's something doesn't balance out what other people's something is, especially, yeah. you know, it's a hard thing to say when, um, so I think in this situation that you've got with this lullaby theories is um, this is all you, you know, and even the uh, guys that were involved at the very start, high level, mm-hmm. super, super high level. Um, those guys just kind of started on it, mm-hmm. you know, and then from how I saw it is like you took the, the reins from basically the beginning, maybe yeah. after the yeah. first couple seconds, boom, the rest of it's all like all... Chris Ray Molders, you know, <laughs> that's how, what the yeah. credit's going to look like. Yeah, yeah. But the, that, that's probably the most recent thing too, yeah. you know, um, as, and you'll be waiting to find out where that actually goes and people will eventually be able to see this, but there's a reason for that too. It's yeah. all about submissions. Submissions for sure. So it can't see the light of day until it actually gets, if you know that it's going to be submitted in the right spots yeah. and even then that's going to dictate when this thing actually premieres. Yeah, exactly. So from pushing yourself so hard for all these years, because you have, even if you don't see it that way, you know, yeah. you just keep getting leveling up, leveling up, leveling up. Uh, do you have any sort of do you have any stories of some really big failures at the same time? Something that you could think of like, oh shit, like I I thought this was gonna go well, it didn't. Oh my god, uh, I totally had this client and then it dropped out of the sky, you know, uh, and it made you have to shift perspective. Funny enough, the the Alice Cooper documentary one was one that started out a little rocky. Um, I was freelancing at the time and was, was sort of kind of getting one week jobs here and there. I think I probably called you a couple times being like, man, this is not going, not going well right now, this whole freelance thing. Um, but they had contacted me saying like, listen, we've got a ton of work, you know, on this, this documentary and it's probably going to be like, you know, three to six months of work. And we want you to work in house. And, and at the time I was kind of blowing my brains out at home, getting stir crazy. 
I'd be at home all day and then come six o'clock I just want to I want to get the hell out of the house and then Steph comes home after a a long day of work and all she does want wants to do is like stay in so just just having this opportunity to get out of the house and work in a studio for a bit was I was so excited about it and I remember showing up on the day I was supposed to start with my monitor in hand with my laptop and uh, computer and all my gear and walked into the place and they said oh yeah you're you're starting today that's right um the project is like kind of taking some turns and we we're not we're not ready for you like at all like it's probably going to be another six months before you can start and Mm. i was anticipating this you know for for a couple months leading up to it turning down jobs saying no uh to certain certain things and then to, to walk into this place and be told, oh no, sorry, we're, we're not ready yet. And and I, looking back now, I totally get that like th- this whole process of of editing a documentary where you're they're trying to represent Alice Cooper in the best mm. light and like finding all his old contacts and reaching out to these people, flying down to these people's places, interviewing them. It's it's a massive process, and and things can get derailed easily, and and things can change and. And someone like me, who's maybe just like a freelancer helping out with some some animations, isn't on the top of the food chain in terms of, you know, the staff. Uh, so that was a pretty big blow, uh, thinking I was going to start on something that I was looking forward to for so long, and and walking in and being told no, it's and it and it ended up being like a year and a half before I even touched that project again. So it was like, it was tough, tough to go home and kind of sit there and be like, you know, what am I doing? Um, Another one, which which was very pretty early on, like it was it was right after that Sapporo job that I had, I had mentioned earlier. Um, I was on cloud nine when I finished that job, like first three D job. It turned out well. Um, I remember rendering late at night and like rendering on four different machines before I even knew what render farms were. But like managing one shot on one machine, another mm-hmm. on another. And as soon as one would finish, you know, queue up another shot and just like staying up all hours. Turned out great. Every, like our team was pumped with it. The client was over the moon with it. They were pumped on it. And I finally felt like I had a caliber of project that could make it onto Stash Media. And for those who don't know, I think, I think it's stashmedia.tv. Well, I can check right now, but yeah, I, I want to say it's just stashmedia.com, but I'll Might check it. stashmedia.com, but that... That has been my like go-to resource for my entire motion career for inspiration, for keeping tabs on on you know what jobs are being done in the industry, uh, and and it's it's very high-level work, and I finally felt like I had something that you know could make it onto this this website, and I remember sitting there and I emailed um, I emailed Stash the submission. And I think I was so blinded by my own excitement and uh, success on this job, even though it was just like, you know, internally with our client and stuff, uh, I, w- I was almost positive this thing was going to make it onto the website. So I, I send off the submission. I get an email back and totally misread the email and jumped out of my seat and told everybody like guys we made it on the stash everybody started celebrating we're getting in touch with the client being like we got to get the credits right you know because we got to get the submission right (laughs) and we're all just like really really pumped and that went on for like 20 minutes where we're all just kind of you know celebrating and then I go back to my seat and I sit down again my email is still open on this on this award or this uh, stash submission and I reread it and I guess I missed the word not <laughs> yeah. and it, it yeah. said something like yeah sorry like the, this will this this piece will not be posted on our on our thing on our website and that was so deflating <laughs> to like just have <laughs> celebrated with everybody so pumped and and go back to your desk and realize oh my god I read it wrong and we're not actually on stash at all yeah but that that was like a moment where like 
you know, you felt like, I felt like I had, I had conquered something and I finally made it to a level that I thought was, you know, pretty high, mm-hmm. but it was so quickly that it's like, no, you're, you're not quite there yet, you know? And that just kind of fuel, kept fueling me to like, okay, go back to cinema. Like, like, what is it that you're missing? Like learn, learn more about the animation, more about the rendering, more about the compositing. And you, you just kept pushing myself and it wasn't until years later when I did the book trailer that it finally made it up. And then, of course, by then, my brother, who's an incredible sound designer, yeah. he's been on there like <laughs> 10 times or something. Yeah. And, and he's been on Motionographer. So it, it, it took me, I was a late bloomer, I guess, in terms of getting on there. But I, I finally did. But it was definitely a, a pivotal moment where, like, you know, you think you're at a certain level and you might be, like, kind of you're kind of biased to the work at the time and and you quickly realize that it's like no you you still got a ways to go you still got a lot to learn and you kind of get back the next day you come in you get back to you get back at it and keep going you know you don't take no for an answer i think it's all a matter of opinion though yeah so it's like everybody is entitled to their opinion yeah and so whoever's looking at uh, these submissions, they see however many a day. I remember seeing the Sapporo job as soon as he did it. It yeah. was like, holy shit, Chris. Because yeah. like, uh, it was so different yeah. and such a higher level than anything I had been playing with or yeah. like my peers too. It was like, oh, you're like, you're doing serious commercial stuff and this is yeah. all you. Yeah. It's not like a huge team of people. No, there was like three of us on it. I think. It's awesome. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the fact that you got Stash after, it's very, very good. Yeah. You know, I have a feeling that uh, we'll see with the Lullaby Theories where that stuff goes, but I think that your name's going to be in lights again. Yeah. I really do. Let's hope. Yeah. Let's hope. You were always my hired gun, and everybody always knew that. No matter how close I was to everybody else, they knew that if you're coming into town, it's because the project that we're on is going to be is going to need you. Yeah. You know, and that's not to take anything away from anybody, no. but it was like, I think everybody was very aware of like, if Chris is in, that means that it's going to be, he's going to take on a big role here mm-hmm. and uh, it'll be fun. We're all going to have a, a good time and we're all going to learn a lot of stuff because you always brought something new. Even if it was like particles or whatever it was, you'd, you'd be bringing something new that nobody really knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be totally honest, the jobs that you come in for for a couple of days or whatever, they're not fun. They're boring. <laughs> like, it wasn't the job that it was, was uh, but hanging out was hanging out know, was great. The best part of it. That's that was always my side. I was always very, very much like when there was something that what I would consider to be like a big job, like a, a an awesome job. Um, they were few and far between because I was way more uh, aware of the cost that's going to go out. How fast can we do this? Mm-hmm. How many people need to be on this? What's the you know what's the timing on all these things? And then it would be like, oh, this is another sort of government explainer series, or this is that. But those things paid really, really well, and it could yeah. keep people fed. And not only that, just you didn't. And this is not to downplay it, but or say like that work is super shitty. That work, bang for the buck, made a lot of sense. Where it's like, for if sure. somebody want to get paid and you want to come sit down for a bit. That was not a bad spot as to be hooked up with me yeah. because I could get a lot of that garbage <laughs> and be like, you want to make some good money, yeah. you know, but um, that's not fulfilling in any way. You know, it was more of the things that are the sort of one-offs that might not, it's to your point too, where it's like there, you might not have had a huge payout from uh some of the jobs you've done in the past but those ones got you accolades yeah and it's not you can only do that for so long yeah you, you know those accolades really in my opinion those accolades need to translate to more money as time goes on or those pro- the new projects that come in or instead of it being 70 percent boring uh just pay the bills kind of work and 30 percent the kind of fun stuff or even less sometimes it starts it needs to start transitioning from like way more to like a 20 or 30% of the big paying kind of shitty yeah and 70% of the stuff that is also paying quite well on yeah. on really good brands or stuff you want to work with or even just like agencies or clientele that you want to work with that they're fun 
they're good they're honest they're like trustworthy they pay on time yeah. all that kind of stuff if there if we were to be doing a talk in front of people who are up and coming thinking about going freelance what would be a couple things that you would say off the bat to set themselves up really well um i would say don't wait for work <laughs> yeah that's something i did pretty early on because i was i was banking hard on the word of mouth and, and nailing a job and hoping that you know i gained contacts from that yeah. uh looking back now i would have done that a lot differently you know i would have been i would have dedicated a good chunk of my day to or maybe a couple hours in the morning or or if you work well in the morning, maybe in the evening, you know, reaching out, trying to find studios you want to work with, agencies you want to work with, or even uh, guys you want to collaborate with and just putting that into your routine of like every day, you know, reach out to people um, and, and try and build that network. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, early on, I I did not do that at all. And that's that's when I found my myself panicking when all of a sudden there wasn't a job coming in you know yeah. i couldn't i couldn't really like enjoy the time off i, w I was constantly worrying yeah. where i feel like if i was a little more diligent with uh you know planning for jobs in the future and and, and scheduling a lot of these jobs that that would be um something i'd recommend and and i would have changed <laughs> for sure do you remember what i always used to say to you yeah. When that was happening, I'd always say, don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's coming. Yeah, it's and coming. it always did. Like, yeah. you know, you'd have that lull, and then, you know, I think the longest I went was like maybe a month without work. And then all of a sudden, I would be slammed on three jobs, you know, working yeah. all hours. I used to say that, though. Yeah. And uh, I had to take my medicine a couple times, too. Mm -hmm. So I would say that and be like, oh, everything's cool. Don't worry. You're good. Yeah. Everything. It's going to come. Yeah. It's all going to come. I had lulls. Uh, the, one of the biggest was five months with... Yeah. Uh, th there's a little bit of, you know, shitty stuff happening in between that because it was um, some projects that didn't start off, yeah. some clients that didn't pay, yeah. different things like that. And when you're freelancing, um, that would be my advice is just be very... Don't spend all your money. Yeah. Don't think that this is this uh, ride is gonna last for a really long time. Bank it, bank yeah. everything. Be more diligent with those things. Yeah. I think that was something you were always really good at. I always looked up to that. Being like, Chris has got his finances on point. Yeah. Because you weren't. You weren't like just being like, I'm a millionaire. <laughs> all this stuff. Whereas I felt like I was, and I yeah. wasn't. You know. I always felt like the millionaire at at the end of the year once I had done my taxes because I always I always put away it was 30% at the time. Mm -hmm. So any job I got, the second I get paid, 30% of it gets put aside for taxes. And I found for the years I was doing that end of the year, I have this kind of lump sum. And, and normally after I do my income tax and the write-offs, there would be a chunk of that, that I, I could keep. Mm -hmm. And then of course, after doing that for a year or two, you, you start to realize like, Oh, I always kind of have a little extra so mm -hmm. I can, I can dip into that pot now. Mm -hmm. And and then end of the year when you hope for that little extra money, it's gone. You know, yeah. you're you're just you're breaking even. But uh, yeah, that would be something definitely is like squirrel away thirty to fifty percent of all all your jobs. Fifty's a lot. Fifty's a lot. But that's like wow, that's a lot. Yeah. I just think of it in this way. Another thing to kind of as time goes on, as you do your first year, your second year, your third year, your eighth year, your ninth year, whatever it is. You start making serious money. Mm -hmm. If you're out there and if you have good contacts and uh, even with the jobs that I'm talking about where it's like, I don't ever want to be known for the guy that does the boring stuff, but it pays really well, but mm -hmm. it has to be that balance. Yeah. I, I always thought about how I would deal with that differently if I was ever going to do it again. Not saying that I'm going to do that again. Mm -hmm. um, just saying that. I personally love the idea of freedom and the freedom, the most freedom I ever had was when I was freelancing. Um, I could plan my days the way that I wanted to. Um, I wasn't so crazy about like, where's the work? I always knew the work is coming with that. Um, but it's also one of those things where I'd be way more diligent with um, the putting away of money because yeah. 
as I, as I was saying is like every year had always been a better year. And by better year, I mean like substantially more money, which mm-hmm. means that you owe more taxes for yeah. the most part. Yeah. And in order to make that extra money, you need to start getting help from a lot of people. And then you always want to be known, and this is just a rule of thumb for me, is that you never want to be known as the guy that doesn't pay their bills to their contractors, yeah. their other freelancers, their partners in these things. The first thing before anything goes out, and this is just my opinion, is you are always good for your word. So yeah. if somebody, when you get paid, or even if you're, it takes you 90 days to get paid, and you have the money banked, you make sure to pay your guys and girls to make yeah. sure that they're paid right up front. Even if you take a hit from that, and that might not be good business, I don't, it probably isn't. A lot of people are probably, who'd hear this would be like, oh my God, you're an idiot. But that's how I work. Yeah. I always work that way. And that was how I built uh, I care more about the trust that I have with other people and how people would trust me. I think that's just a human way to go about it. Yeah. But um, And then on the flip side of that, you get people who next time around when you want to work with them, they're not even going to think twice about it, you know? Yeah. There's there, There's been so many freelance jobs where I've been on them and it's like, three months down the road and they haven't been paid and I don't, I don't get paid. Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. just the way it works and there's nothing you can do about it and it's it's a killer like it's brutal (laughs) relying on other people yeah yeah. constantly relying on other people's uh timing and if oh yeah yeah Yeah. but i mean yeah it's something that i wouldn't work that way it's just not something i like so if you take a think about it and sort of draw out your bucket list of things that are still to come yeah of like maybe a couple experiences that you'd like to have um and this could be not just work-wise. This mm-hmm. could be like travel, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it is. But things that if we get this on tape, mm-hmm. it's not tape. When we have this digitally recorded, mm-hmm. this will be there forever. So you're going to, this will be the new bucket list of things to sort of cross off. Is there anything uh, in your mind right right away where it's you're like, oh, I'd like to have this experience. I'd like to have that experience. Work-wise or not, whichever. Um Work-wise, it's um, a short film oh, that I've right. been, uh, I've been, it's been in the back of my head for like two and a half years now. And again, it only came up because, you know, things were slow at work and suddenly my, my mind just starts to wander and mm-hmm. I ended up kind of coming up with this idea for a short film, which I think is, is cool. Uh, I really want to give it a shot. Um, it would probably be be a year or two of, of actually working on it to get it done, especially on the, on the side. But that's, that's definitely something I want to, I want to have it see the light of day. Mm-hmm. I just want to share the story and, and, uh, yeah, get, get people's eyes on, on this, this short film that I, I want to share. Um, but there's a lot of work that has to happen before then. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Um, and then, kind of like bucket list in the near future i need to do some traveling yes uh i've only been across the atlantic ocean once and that was purely for work and it was to france right when a terrorist attack happened so it wasn't the best experience to begin with and it was super intense um during the charlie hebdo assassination in in france uh which was crazy saw a different side of france than i think anybody has ever seen and that yeah. seems to be the thing that happens anytime i travel yeah. it's usually after a hurricane or a terrorist event or like some insane weather um but i would like for for steph and i to try and get over the atlantic ocean go see parts of europe um kind of check out our, our the countries that we came from sort of what I think a lot of people do in, in their college times or university times. It's like, you know, going to the, where, where your great grandpa came from or something, you know, like I would love to check out Sweden and, and the Netherlands and Steph wants to see Scotland and, and France. So I think that is sort of on the bucket list in the immediate future. I don't know. I don't plan that far in advance. <laughs> even when I, even when I'm going on vacation, it's like, I don't get excited until like two hours before my flight and it drives some people crazy in terms of trying to be ready for stuff. But, um, those are 
kind of the things in the next sort of year or two that I want to try and tackle. Oh, I'm sure you'll hit them. Yeah. I'm sure that you will. Um, I think that we've put some good time into this. Yeah. I think this is this is not the end. Chris no. and I are going to get together and do as many of these as we can. For some sure. of them will be silly. This yeah. one's a, a really, really good insight into Chris Ray Moberg. You'll see his name in the lights yeah. if you haven't already seen it. And uh, keep your eye on stashmedia.tv. That's what it is. Yeah. And for anything that's Chris-related, your website, Chris? Uh, C.R. Moberg, which is M-O-B-E-R-G dot TV. And that's uh, in social media if you want people to get you on Instagram or... At C.R. Moberg. Pretty much everything C.R. Moberg. Yeah. But have a look at his stuff and... Uh, Chris puts really nice breakdowns on his website for anybody who's interested in seeing what uh, goes on behind the scenes with all this stuff because there's a lot of work and a lot of different layers and all these different things that are going into anything that you see with him visually, so uh, with his work visually. So I'm happy that we got the chance to do this. For sure. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, man. <laughs> you're number you're number one as my, you're my first guest. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think that uh, I think this will turn out really nice. I really do. Yeah.